We are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Royal Grammar School on Guildford High Street, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Wonderful. Good, good. So good to be together. Um, we're going to be in the book of Ruth today. So um, you do open up your Bibles to the book of Ruth. If you'd like to borrow one of our Bibles, then just stick your hand up and uh, Jeff or Lucy um, will bring one to you in your seat and um, to keep it up high and they'll come to you. If you don't put your hand up, it won't arrive. And uh, if you want to keep the Bible, you can just write your name in it. You can have it. So... No, no one wants the Bible, it's all right, it's all good. They've all got one. One does. So, um, when I was around 17 years old, my dad was a taxi driver, and we lived in Brighton, and he would um, drive the taxi in Brighton, because that's where we lived. And um, there were often there would be occasions where we were... Um, driving, you know, going, we lived in a little place called My Lake, and we'd often, I'd want him to take me into the centre of town um, to go shopping or more likely to go to a club or something. And he would um, take us on the way and often there'll be, you know, just roadworks going on or some kind of traffic and suddenly he'd be turning off to the left and right and going through all these back roads and I would be dazed and you're doing all these twists and turns and going all over the place and I'm thinking, Dad, you've got no idea where you're going. Like, you know, this, what are you doing? And I'm sure on occasions we were going past kind of no entry signs or going down the wrong one-way direction or whatever it might be. Um, but inevitably, we would come out of a side road and we're at the destination. Wow, that's, how's he managed this? And although for me, the journey was full of twists and turns, actually, the driver at the wheel did know what they were doing. In the book of Ruth, there's lots of twists and turns. The family goes through lots of different turmoil. And whilst God is not mentioned at all, really, in the book very much, um, we know that actually he is the one in the driving seat. Not just of the book of Ruth, but actually the whole Bible. Indeed, even he's in the driving seat of our lives. He knows what he's doing. He has a plan, like we've been singing. And um, we can go through all sorts of difficulties and challenges and different circumstances and situations. And yet for the Christian, you can know actually the Lord has a plan. He is faithful. He's faithful to his promises. And he's able to work things to good for all who love him. We've called this series God's Redemption Plan and it's a, it's a plan that we see just in this little story but it's also a plan that comes through all the pages of um, the Bible. Um, this little book of Ruth, I'm just going to give you a bit of context, this book of Ruth, it's, it kind of comes in the time of the judges and so um, you've got this kind of, you've got Genesis which has big things that go on, creation taking place. You've got Exodus where you've got Moses who passes through the Red Sea. You've got Joshua who takes the land and goes into the land. And then you've got judges, people like Deborah and Samson and all these amazing stories of judges. And in the midst of it all, there's this little family that go through all difficulties. And it shows us that God is just as interested in the big national events that go on around the world actually as he is in our individual lives, in 
what's going on in my life and in your life and what takes place. He's, he's interested, not only interested, but actually he cares. And even through hardship and turmoil, he's able to turn those things to good. In the book of Ruth, um, which we're going to go over these next five weeks, there's amazing symmetry between the four chapters. In, in the first chapter, which we we're going to read the first few verses of in a minute, we find that um, life goes from bad to worse, which is actually the title of today's talk cheerful for a Sunday morning it, life is tough and um, there is l- lots of loss loss of uh, children that die loss of husbands that die but in the end in chapter 4 there's all of that is redeemed new husbands are found children are born and given in um, the in the first part there is there's loss in other ways just grief there's hardship there's a famine that's in the land and in the in the end there's actually a wonderful harvest there's kind of separation in the beginning but there's uh, marriage and reconciliation in the end and it's a wonderful picture actually of the whole bible in the beginning uh, we've got genesis which is with adam and eve and it starts off well but quite quickly descends into chaos into separation with adam and eve leaving eastwards out of the garden and being separated from from god and from all that they knew and then the the whole bible goes through these twists and turns and up and downs for how, how is god gonna reconcile it all and he ends up sending his son jesus and in the end we find that everything that was lost at the beginning is, is reversed and where there was separation there's connection there's restoration there's redemption there's um, life and life to the full that can be found for everyone through Jesus in God so what we're going to find over these next few weeks is we're going to find something of the gospel something of the bible narrative just in this little book does that make sense this, this, is, this is Ruth. It's an amazing plan and a wonderful parallel of what God will do. It, and it really shows us that, do you know what, in our bereavement, in our singleness, in our family life, in our work life, in our home, God is at work mysteriously behind the scenes. He's the orchestrator. He's the author and perfecter. He's the one in the driving seat and we can trust him. Let's, we're going to read the first five verses and then what I'm going to do today is we're just going to talk through those five verses because if you were, or if you are, a Hebrew living, you know, sort of a thousand years before Christ, then you, you suddenly, these five verses will conjure big pictures, lots of different things. But for us, sort of 2,000 years after Jesus, it, it, okay, so it might feel a bit weird. So... Let's read it and then I'm going to unpack it and then we'll apply it to us today. Here we go then. So chapter 1, verse 1, says nothing. This is, let me read it. Um, it might come off on the screen, it might not. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other named Ruth, which is the book is after. 
After they had lived there about 10 years, both Marlon and Killian also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. So things, that's it. That's what we're going to speak on today. Things went from bad to worse. Starts off a famine. And because of the famine, a family, husband and wife, Elimelech, um, and his wife Naomi decide to leave to find uh, food. And they go to a different place called Moab. And then whilst they're there, Elimelech dies, their two sons die, and Naomi is left with two daughters-in-law who they have no income, no way to fend for themselves, no security. And uh, yeah, it just gets worse. So let's talk a bit about what's been going on. So the first bit tells us that in the days of the judges, this, in, when the days of the judges rules, this kind of tells us a little bit about the landscape of what's been going on. See, what happened was that um, when in Exodus, when Moses came out of Egypt with all the people of God, into, they came into the desert and then Joshua took them into the promised land. At that point, the kind of, the Israelite nation, the people of God, were onto a winner. They were going into the promised land. There was much to be found and gained in all that God was going to supply them with and give them and bless them with. And after Joshua died, what happened was that the people kind of go through this cycle of this time of judges where they kind of go away from God and come back to God and go away from God and come back to God. And different people rise up and remind people, hey, let's come back to our one true God who we love. And, and then and they go away again again and then someone else rises up and encourages them and it kind of gradually just kind of gets worse and worse and worse and the last verse in the book of Judges basically says that the people just did whatever they saw was fit or right in their own eyes. People were kind of just living in their own way, doing whatever they like and you know it's actually not too dissimilar to a kind of culture that we live in today. People do whatever they like, whatever seems fit in their eyes they get on and do. And um, not only, though, was, do we find that this is in the days where the judges rule, so there's kind of spiritual poverty and lacking, there's now also a famine. And so this famine means there's an economic situation going on in the country. And, hey, we, we know a little bit about that, don't we, as well? And um, actually, whenever you get to famine in the Bible, you should watch out. Because God's going to do something amazing. He, there's a famine in the land in Egypt and Joseph rises up and does something amazing. There's, there's famines that happen all over and when you see there's a famine, you need to be on your alert. Oh, I wonder what's God going to do? And for all the Hebrews reading this, oh, what's going to happen? God's about to be on the move. And so um, you've, got this, you've got this cycle going on. There's this decline in the nation. There's a spiritual decline. And the book of Judges reminds people actually that when, when um, famine happens, you need to call on the name of the Lord. You need to come back to God. That's the point of, of that, of going through difficulties, actually is to encourage people to come back to God, not to run away from him, but come back. And Elimelech, that means God is my king. That's what his name means. It means God is my king. Naomi means um, my delight. And so these people who were from the Ephrathite tribe, this was like the first Hebrew uh, tribe to go into the promised land, to settle. They're, they're the direct descendants from this tribe. They know 
all about the promises of God. They know all about um, what it means to live for God and to love him. Elimelech, is, God is my king. He's named after him. He would have been brought up knowing that, hey, when this kind of thing happens, when famine happens, what are you called to do? Cry out to the Lord. Pray to him. Come to him. Seek him. And what does he do? He makes a plan. Hey, we need to get out of here. Oh yeah, I know God's called us to be in the promised land. We need to go. We need to leave. We need to, there's green pasture somewhere else. Let's, let's go and do something else. It's so easy for all of us to do that, isn't it? Um, isn't it easy for us to kind of, when our circumstances and situations in the places where God has called us to be get tough, to be, hey, maybe the grass is greener elsewhere. Maybe it'd just be better if I left. Maybe it'd be better if I just go and find my nourishing and fulfillment and flourishing somewhere else because maybe it'll be better there. It's easy for us to do that. In fact, that's maybe that's a bit harsh on Elimelech because it says he's going to go for a little while. That's the phrase. In another translation, it uses the word sojourn or sojourner. That kind of idea really is that Elimelech's thought that what he'll do is he'll go and check out what's going on in Moab, but his plan was always to return. Um, so the idea is that he was kind of, it's not great here, I'm going to go somewhere else, but um, I will return. What happens is that he ends up, they end up staying there and his children marry the Moabite women and they end up settling. And often, actually, I can find that, you know, when people make big steps that seem far away from God, it doesn't actually start with a big step. It starts with a little peak, starts with a little look. It starts with an inappropriate text. It starts with a lingering look or a lingering hug. It starts with a little, oh, maybe we'll just look. Let's just be sojourners. Let's just go on a little field trip to see what's going on there. But what happened is that often when you get there, it's then easy to take another step and they bury roots and then you take another step. Oh, now they're marrying into the Moabite people who are a people that were meant to, were the horrendous. They had all sorts of practices that were far from the things of God. And suddenly you've got this guy, Elimelech, called God is my king from the Ephrathite tribe in the land of Judah, from Bethlehem. What does Bethlehem mean? It's the house of bread. He's living in a place called the house of bread and he decides, you know what, I've got a better idea. I'm going to go somewhere else. And the poor guy ends up dying and being buried in Moabite territory, which for a Hebrew would be horrendous because his heritage, his descendants, his ancestry is all there in, in Bethlehem, in, the, in this tribe of Judah. And through the, some of the decisions that he's made with his wife, he ends up being buried elsewhere. I don't even know why I bother looking at my notes. I'll go, go all over the place. Um... So Elimelech, we talked about Elimelech means my God is king. Naomi means my delight. Um, another thing that we might have a little bit of sympathy for Elimelech is that his children's names, Millian and Killian, or whatever they are, they mean sickly and wasting away. So it might well be, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so if you fancy any names, if anyone's pregnant here, think about any names for your kids, maybe stay away from those. So it might well be that for Elimelech and Naomi, they've got legitimate concerns about their children. Their children, maybe they've got some kind of deformity or disease, maybe there's something wrong with them, which is why they called them these names. And now there's a famine, and he's got, hey, we've, this, 
you know, they're looking at their circumstances, they're looking at the situation and they're quite rightly thinking, how are we going to look after our family? A famine is no good for our kids. They're, they're sickly and wasting away. It's bad enough as it is. What can we do? Now, it doesn't tell us anywhere that they decided to seek the Lord or to pray or to ask him what's his best for them. But they, they make a decision. And it's, it's kind of, it's hard to feel bad for them, isn't it? Because we all have things that we care about in our lives. We all have priorities. We all have things that are going on for us. And we have circumstances that happen. And you think, actually, well, this seems like a good idea. It seems like a good idea to, to uh, handle this in this way. Obviously, it works out not being the best idea. But what's amazing what is utterly incredible about this book and what is good for all of us to know, regardless of the decisions that we've made in our life, is that God is able to turn them to good for all those who love him. That is God's redemption plan. You might have made all sorts of decisions in your life that are questionable that you, or that you, you started off on one path and it ended up just going from bad to worse. Maybe, you, I don't know, you... You, you did like them, these guys, you moved away and, and it, just, it just didn't work out how you wanted to. Maybe you changed that job. Maybe you, I don't know, you, you made some kind of decision and it didn't work out as, as, it, as you wanted. Do you know what? God is able to turn that situation, to work it to good in your life. He's able to teach you, to grow you, to build your character, to strengthen you in all sorts of different ways. And incredibly, what happens in this situation is that um, although... The, the two sons die. Ruth ends up sticking with Naomi. She, um, this is a bit of a spoiler alert for week four and later on. Ruth ends up, they both end up coming back to the house of bread, back to Bethlehem. And they're welcomed in like prodigal sons and daughters, welcomed back in. Ruth marries a guy called Boaz. And together, Ruth and Boaz have children. In fact, their grandchild is King David. And through the line of David, you get Jesus. And it's incredible that this guy, Boaz, who, again, we'll find out about in the next few weeks, he is a righteous man, but his mother is Rahab the prostitute, the Canaanite, the one who was living in the promised land when the people of God were getting ready to come in and to wipe everyone out. She is a person who puts her trust in the Lord and ends up Again, getting married and having Boaz and Boaz comes and redeems in this situation. There's incredible um, reflections of God's gospel as he is able to work through even the worst situations and circumstances for good. In fact, you could say that if Elimelech and Naomi hadn't made this decision, then Ruth may never have met Boaz. And therefore, they may never have ended up having King David and so on and so forth. Now, God would have worked it out in other ways because he's God and he's incredible. But the point is that even through these decisions, even through the difficulties, even through the hardship, even through the kind of our own earthly wisdom, God is able to turn it to good. He's able to do incredible things. And I want to encourage you this morning that actually you can, you can believe that for your own life. There might be situations or circumstances or decisions that you've made and you think, well, how's that happened? How, I, I don't know how I got to that position. It started with one little step I was going to look, but then it ended up in devastation or tragedy. It might be that there's been decisions or situations or circumstances that haven't been in your control, that have, that have just happened, that you're living in, and you think, how on earth has this gone on? How has this happened? And you're, you're thinking, God, what, what are you doing in this situation? Hey, do you know what? You can cry out to him. 
You can talk to him. You can pray to him. You can tell him, speak to him about it and you can ask him to work and believe that he's able to work it for good in, in your life. Um, I mentioned it goes from bad to worse. Not only, yeah, do they, do they leave and then their sons um, end up dying. We find that there's also barrenness. And so um, it, there's a line in there that mentions about how um, the sons, the two sons have been married for 10 years and there's no heirs, there's no children. And again, I just want to encourage you, whenever you see barrenness in the Bible, Get ready, because God's going to move. Samuel's mother was barren. Um, John the Baptist's mother was barren. And then ends up, you get Jesus coming. The, the um, Israelite midwives were barren, and yet they end up delivering Moses, and then they themselves end up getting married and God blessing them with children. There, whenever you see famine and barrenness in the Bible, be ready, because God's about to move. He's going to do something incredible. And here we get them both right at the start of this same story, famine and barrenness. And so... Um, what I want to encourage you is with two things. One is that even when we don't see it or feel it, God is at work. He's moving. He's working in the background. He's the one in the driving seat. He's in control. He's the one who is driving the car. He knows what's going on in the nations and in our lives. And he knows the grand scale, like what was going on throughout the nation in Judges. He knows the small scale, what's going on in the fam- Naomi's family. And you, even though God is barely mentioned in this book, the beauty of it is, and the assumption of it, is that the writer shows us that actually he's at work interweaving history throughout and working for good for those who love him. And the, the second thing, which I've mentioned already, the second thing I want to say is that tough circumstances don't mean that God's abandoned you. So easy sometimes for us to think that, oh God, how, how could you let this happen? How could this take place? I know, I found that easy in my life to think, God, what is going on? Like, have you abandoned me? Have you let me go? Do you know what? Just because there was a famine in the promised land, it didn't mean that God had given up on his people. It just means that sometimes there's famine. It just means that sometimes we go through hardship. God never left Elimelech or Naomi. He never left the Hebrews. He never left the Israelite tribes. It's just that they were going through a bit of a famine. And um, uh, in fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, endure hardship... This is the difficulties, the trials of life, the, the famine, the barrenness that we might receive in our life. Endure that as discipline. It says, God is treating you as his children. What children are not disciplined by their father? No, discipline, no, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but actually it feels painful. The Bible's honest about that. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained in it. The difficulties and the circumstances and the hardship and the famine and the barrenness and the things that we go through that are really tough in our life, we can trust that God is able to bring a peace to us and a righteousness to us in those situations as he disciples us, develops us, trains us, gets us 
battle-hardened and ready, broadens our shoulders, makes us stronger, helps us to be fit for battle, helps us to help others when they're going through similar, which they will do uh, in the future that you know. It helps us to, um, to trust in him, to claw into the promises of him. Elimelech knew that actually the very thing he should have done in the time of the famine was to come to the Lord. It's to worship him, it's to pray, it's to trust him, it's to seek his face and say, Lord, I'm living in the house of bread. There's no bread. There's, there's, uh, there's famine. Lord, I'm coming to you and I'm seeking you and asking you, Lord, would you be faithful to your promises and provide the bread? Would you be faithful and bring the harvest? Another word for that, Ephrathites. Ephra is another word for... Um, for Bethlehem and that means fruit, fruitful and so not only is you know is there there's no bread in the house of bread there's no fruit in the place of fruitfulness there's, it's a fruitless place and and yet the answer is not to run away from the things of God it's not to to go elsewhere it's not to give up it's not to feel that God has abandoned you actually it's to trust in him to come to him the amazing the thing about Ruth's story is that God is at work and he wants to redeem every single one of you not just you to him, but also your situation. And so I just want to encourage you, whatever you might be, as we start this whole series, whatever the thing is in your life, and there might be multiple things that you think, do you know what? There is hardship in this place. There is, Lord, I'm not feeling your, your grace, your fruitfulness, your sustenance in this area. Let's be a people of God. Let's not, let's not run away. Let's not abandon him. Let's not, look elsewhere let's trust in him come come to the word of God come to our knees in prayer come together with one another in you know we had a wonderful time of prayer on Wednesday night for the church for each other let's let's make those a priority together as a church let's come together in prayer let's seek God for one another get in your life groups and be praying for one another asking God for breakthrough in our lives there's all sorts of us we're all going through all sorts of different things aren't we we all different challenges from mental health from physical health from relational health from all sorts of different things economic health there's all sorts of challenges that happen in our lives but the people of God what we're called to do is called to trust in the Lord God come together worship him Naomi, she, she ends up coming back. She goes back to the house of bread. She goes back to the Lord. She's welcomed in with open arms. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful story. She gets so much more. We'll, we'll unpack all of that in the future. And there's lots to be f- trusting God in and uh, be encouraged by as we step into this book, as we walk through the situations that we might be facing. Let's get the band back up. And let's all stand, shall we? I'd love us to stand together. And um, what I'd like us to do is just where you are, I want you to just take a moment. I want you to bring those things to God that for you might feel like famine, or barrenness, might feel like hardship. Just just take a moment now and just bring them to him and just surrender them to him. Say, Lord, these are the things that I'm facing right now. I just want to take a moment to do that.
Heavenly Father, as we just come before you, we just lay all these different challenges before you. Lord, we, we recognise that you are the one who is seated on the throne of our lives. You're seated on the throne of the nations, of the, of the whole world, of the universe. Lord, we, we, we come to a God who is not powerless but powerful. We come to a God who we, we trust is, is working. Even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it, Lord, we trust actually that you are the author and perfecter of our faith, that you are the one who is in the driving seat of our lives. And as we go through these different challenges, these trials, these hardships, some of which are by our own doing, some are just by the circumstances that we find ourselves in, Lord, actually we trust even in these moments, Lord God, that you are able and willing to turn it all to good. Lord, we see that throughout Naomi's life, throughout Ruth's life, Lord, that you are at work, that you end up, you turn it all around for them. You end up bringing a great harvest and a great abundance and great life and joy to this family, which at the start of the book that we encounter this morning, Lord, we see is just going from bad to worse, where things just feel like it's hopeless. Lord, we know that you are able to bring hope in a hopeless situation. You're able to bring faith where we are fearful. You're able to bring life where we all we see is death and disease and decay. Lord, we trust, Lord God, that you are a good God. And so we, we just want to come before you now, Lord Jesus, and we, we surrender these things that are in our lives to you, these harsh, and we just ask you, Lord God, would you fill us with your strength, fill us with your Holy Spirit, help us, Lord God, to, to look to you, to trust you, to, to not be in fear, actually to be faithful and hopeful Lord God that you are at work and you're able to move in our situations and move in our nation and move in the nations around the world and Lord there's so many things that we can list and name from wars to diseases to shootings to things on on the grand national scale and Lord there's also things in our own lives Lord God that we want to we just want to commit to you Lord God, and we just say, have your way. Would you have your way in our lives? I pray, Lord God, that for each and every one of us, would you strengthen our faith? Would you help us, Lord God, to stand firm in these days, in these times where there's all sorts of things that will, that will want to knock us from trusting you, from living to you, for you? Lord, I pray, would you help us to stand firm in what you've called us to? Thank you, Lord God, that you're a, you're a God that has, you have great love and compassion for us. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to make a way that we might come into his presence and thank you Jesus that you also came from a town of Bethlehem thank you Jesus that you are are one who comes from the line of Judah thank you you are one who comes from the descendants of David but more importantly thank you that you come from Ruth and Boaz and Rahab and Lord God you're not you're not scared about the line of kind of messy relationships and messy decision making actually it's in all of that in that midst you are at work and you are moving and so we trust that for us today Lord in the mess that we might find ourselves in Lord actually we trust that you are at work and you are moving and you are able to bring a great good in our lives and in the lives of our loved ones and those around us. So we commit ourselves to you in your heavy name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We meet on Sundays at 10am at the Royal Grammar School in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.